My name is Stephen Buja, and with me, as always, is... It's Alex Garviello. Hey, Alex. How are you doing this fine evening? I'm pretty good. I'm currently sitting in a gigantic mansion. I'm punching above my weight tonight. Nice. <laughs> I'm a house, a house sitting at a ridiculous... I have more rooms than anything I've ever lived in. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty sweet. All right, you're a little choppy tonight, but... We should, no. be able, we should be able to work with that. We'll just um, do some magic in post, I guess. But uh, So it sounds like you're in a very nice house, uh, which is appropriate because, Alex, I'm, I hate to say it, but you can't take it with you. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to leave it here. Yep, leave it there <laughs> for somebody else because that is the movie that we are talking about. Uh, here on Oscar Watch this week, You Can't Take It With, with You, the 1938 Best Picture winner. Directed by the one and only Frank Capra, starring Gene Arthur, Lionel Barrymore of the acclaimed Barrymore clan. And, of course, back when he was still known as simply James Stewart. Uh, He's so young here, too. Oh, my God. He's a little baby. So cute. (laughs) He's, He's... he towers over everybody, mind you. But right, right. Still, still. It's, it's, I was like, oh, my God. It's weird to see a movie star with James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, God, Jimmy Stewart in it, and have him not be, like, the top billing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what he became known for. I mean, well, all the films that we know him for are probably from the 50s and 60s. This is definitely the or probably the earliest one I've seen him in. Um, for- this is even before uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Yep. Um, um, which, which is probably out. when he started becoming the the leading man, right? This was uh, this was, I believe, the first um, this was first the first character. yeah the first col- collaboration between uh, you know Stewart and Capra. Uh, they would mm-hmm. later go on to make obviously Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and then It's a Wonderful Life, like mm-hmm. cementing their legacies together. So, uh, but this was this was the birth. This was the the creation. Of one of the most wonderful pairings in in cinema history. It's like you know, in the seventies, you had you know Scorsese and Pacino and De Niro. The two thousands, you had Scorsese and you know Leo. In the thirties and forties, you had Frank Capra and you had Jimmy Stewart, and they created some of the most wonderful American. Uh, I guess yeah. I, would you call it Americana? Would you call them oh, like straight up? Yeah, this is this is like every one of his movies is about the American dream. It's all, and it's funny because I mean, I, as an immigrant himself, I mean, he's kind of he was living that dream himself. Capra, he was you know obviously Italian immigrant, um, came from nothing kind of thing, just you know obsessed with film and became one of the you know biggest uh, directors in in Hollywood and in the '30s too, which is kind of a remarkable when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I feel like all of his films in some way are kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, all about the American way of life, pulling up your bootstraps, but also a little kind of – they're all kind of uh, subversive and, and uh, kind of working against the system and the evils of capitalism in a way, which is kind yeah, of interesting. Definitely. Uh, I'm not sure if Capra was ever called before the House on american Committees, but watching <laughs> You Can't Take It With You, you can definitely see there is an anti-business streak yeah. 
going on. And it's ne- the thing about it is that it's never he's never cynical about it. Like I, you, no. like you've never Kaffer is like he's he's not cynical. He is the oh hopeful. He he's, yeah, he's, he's just he believes in the innate goodness of mankind. Everyone in his film is all about that. Even the the the, the most uh, callous evil person in his film is still just he just you know it's one one good day away from you know breaking down and uh you know just doing his uh, Ebenezer Scrooge thing. Um, you know, I feel like all of his films are kind of like that. Uh, definitely as far, uh, you know, most famous one, of course, it's a wonderful life. I mean, that's kind of the same thing. And it, it does also always seems to, he does have, it seem to really like to talk about government and banks and, uh, kind of like these, uh, uh, all these, all these, uh, you know, big things just being kind of taken down and, and uh, you know, reminding people, uh, minding everyone about the people, you know, that the, you know, the people matter more than these institutions, uh, and I, I feel like, yeah, it's, I had, had actually never seen this one before, and it was kind of interesting to see the very much the same kind of themes uh, earlier in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so You Can't Take It With You was based on a play of the same name that came out in, uh, debuted in 1936 and was still on Broadway or in the, in the theater when the movie came out a couple of years later. So this is very much where... Right smack in the middle of the Great Depression. Uh, in fact, in 1938, the economy, which had been a little bit on the recovery, actually backslid, and we were once again at 19% unemployment for the year. Um, and it would actually, and this would this year would mark what would be then later known as the Second New Deal from FDR. So mm-hmm. I can I can feel that the people were. They were clamoring for. I get the, they. I feel like they always wanted a scapegoat, but they also wanted mostly just to do something. They wanted. They didn't just want to tear things down. They wanted to build things back up. And mm-hmm. I feel like you can't take it with you. Kind of definitely captured that. It's yeah. it's it's optimism. It's optimism, but you know you couch within real world issues at the time that mm-hmm. we can kind of relate to, having gone through the you know the the two thousand eight financial crash but we were far more cynical about it like nobody yeah. like nobody here is calling to like eat the rich <laughs> no like no that. no we, we want the rich to to work with us we want the system to work f- for us the way it's supposed to and uh capro seems to believe that it could and all you have to do is just you know show a little humanity to people uh perhaps it's a it's a little kind of a almost silly to think of that <laughs> and to think that uh people won't just believe in just greed and and, and bettering themselves and caring about other people uh you know i feel like it, this would not play today <laughs> if this were opening today I, nobody would you know everyone kind of laugh at it it does it, it definitely hasn't i don't think aged in that in that respect i think i, I feel like it is it is very uh innocent in a way <laughs> that we yeah. kind of learned from history that this yeah it's not the way the world works it would be nice but yeah it's very it's very simplistic it's a very very simple morality tale but like if we lived in the world that (laughs) you know frank capra and jimmy stewart made for us on the big screen and these you know haze code days of of hollywood of the golden age Mm -hmm. wow what a world that (laughs) if only we had listened to them (laughs) it's it's crazy um Alex, uh, tell us, okay, uh, because this is a movie that a lot of people probably are not familiar with. Give right. us a, can you give us a plot outline of, of what's what's happening? Yeah, in, the in most here? the most basic uh, description. It's a uh, Lionel Barrymore kind of stars. He's, I guess he would say the star as uh, yeah. this eccentric former rich man. I guess he was he formerly rich or just uh, 
I don't know if he was formally rich, yeah, but he was a banker of some sort. He was a yeah. He 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 formally uh, did well for himself, and then uh, he lives in this house that's uh, I, how do you even describe it? It's like a circus. There's just like this ridiculous cast of characters that live there. Kind of everyone and every kind of person that you wouldn't expect to see in a, in a house, especially in the 30s. It's like there's like a Russian. There is uh there you know there's a uh, the kind of like the the um. The maids and the butlers are all kind of like living with each other. Like nobody's really there's no like stations. Everyone's kind of it's just like kind of socialist utopia inside this house. <laughs> and anyway, so his daughter is uh is um what's her uh, I'm forgetting her name now. Oh, Gene Arthur. Gene Arthur. Who uh who yes. becomes yeah she's she's great in it and uh, she's actually got a great role. She's she's kind of this very strong willed uh this uh strong willed woman and uh, becomes uh, infatuated with uh, James Stewart. Or the other way around, and they they become it comes like kind of like a little bit of a Romeo and Juliet thing because it turns out that James Stewart is the son of this man who is trying to buy up like um Barrymore's Barrymore's house uh, because they want to build because of the best possible re- reason, which is because they want to to build a munitions company and <laughs> and sell and make weapons and and their house is stopping them from a their house is going to be a blockade around the uh, competitor's factory not even, not even for their factory they want they want to buy his house to put make a blockade around a competitor's factory and uh put him out of business <laughs> so it's not even like not even trying to better his own business he's trying to buy their house to ruin someone else's life it's like pretty much the most you know selfish thing you can think of anyway so like you know they, they, they it comes to like this whole kind of uh it turns into like this very kind of screwball comedy as the two uh, families meet, like the, uh, the rich family comes over to this house and it's, it's, uh, you could tell it played a lot better than it's definitely that kind of a uh, cringe humor where you're just waiting right. for the family to say ridiculous things and make an ass of themselves. And it is still pretty funny. And you know, there's all these ridiculous things just start happening in the house. They have like this guy who, they, uh, like the, there's this one character they just he, Lionel Barrymore just tells to live with them because he's he's like a he just makes like random little toys and he's right. like yeah come 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 live with us and <laughs> so that's what he's doing now he's just making little t- he's making like little toys and doing silly things wearing masks and shit <laughs> he's just like that's that's his life now and um and and you know he just comes in and I don't know in a gorilla mask or something I don't know what's going on but yeah just is like chaos and so you know there's this whole thing like oh how can you can't live with the you can't be married to this 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 family this is this is beneath us yeah. and it kind of turns into that whole thing and then there's this whole kind of like class warfare between the two and um goes from there yeah it's it's, it's um it's much more of like kind of a you know kind of like a screwball comedy than i expected it's it's a it starts out very kind of serious talking about banking and uh, all these things and then it turns into this kind of like a just just silly dinner humor you know it's like kind of three stooges style where you're waiting for uh somebody to just just do something ridiculous and and in front of the the proper folk basically right yeah it's <laughs> yeah uh class warfare is is a great way to say it it's you know low class versus high class and the yeah. priorities each of each set of people possess the low class people they're they don't they don't give a damn about money yeah. they could, i don't know how they pay for things but sure whatever yeah. Because there's like 20 people living in the house. There's a lot of people. A lot of people living in the house, and the rich people are they're stuck up, they're stodgy, as rich people in these things certainly are, and wackiness ensues, and it's all it's it's hilariously dated and awkward. It's 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 awkward from a filmmaking standpoint. We 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 could definitely we'll we'll definitely get to that, but it there you can see the the (laughs) film. You can see where the film's heart is. Yeah, Uh, the humor. I don't think has translated in the what, 
78 years or so since this yeah. first came out. But yeah, it 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 has some delightful moments in it. And Lionel Lionel Barrymore, he he just he kills it in this. Yeah. He's great. He's he was good. he was suffering arthritis the entire time. That's why he had the cane. So, but oh, is that right? Yeah. So they worked into the script. Yeah, because throughout the whole film, he's kind of. But it kind of works for the character too, because he's kind of like this wounded person who's uh, still trudging on. Believing right. in his mission, so uh, right. that's pretty funny. I didn't know it was a yeah. He's just uh, he's just the happiest man in the uh, in the entire yeah. movie. He's without a oh, care so happy. The, without a care in the world. And yeah. I was watching him. I got a little upset at him just because you know one does <laughs> one does need the material things in life, and you know have have a purpose. And sometimes that purpose is money. And sure, but he uh, he was kind of like I kind of want to be the old patriarch like mm-hmm. that, just like collect collect folks and have them all live li- you know live in a place and create <laughs> just silly things and you have a 15 year old girl who's just doing ballet the entire time right guy, right, right guy playing the xylophone it's uh yeah yeah it it's seems like a granddaughter i think is it the yeah oh, no. yeah, yeah. This is great. and oh the uh, like his uh his uh fireworks making um <laughs> i don't even know what they are to him uh there's just two people his grandfather or his, uh, no, i know no it's his son i think Hey. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just... Yeah, somebody. Yeah, there's just two people. There's two guys in the basement just making fireworks and setting them off. <laughs> and, just, and it turns into a real. There's, there's a really great set piece when the police show up and they like explode the house basically. Yeah, and and you know back then they they had to do that. They didn't yeah, have special actually, effects. They were just pretty impressive display. I was like, holy crap! It looked like they were going to burn the place down. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then they, of course you know what happens is uh what ends up happening is that the police come and raid the place while the. uh the 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 the, uh, the rich couple are there, mm-hmm. uh, Jim, Jimmy Stewart's parents, and uh, they get pulled before the judge pretty pretty quickly uh, <laughs> after after spending a drunk. But yeah, there's a, he kind of Lionel Barrymore just kind of like yeah he's like yeah yeah we were just making fireworks but that's what they do you know right. <laughs> that's, that's which, the, the, which the, you no, know no, no which, shame yeah which you know you have to you have to think like. There, there has to be a law in the books that you can't make fireworks in New York City. <laughs> it just seems right. like a like a thing we would have, but uh, so yeah, so it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. But you, if you take it at its at at face value, it becomes it's it's very delightful. Once you start thinking about it, and I was definitely starting yeah. to think about, it, I go this 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 is ridiculous, but it's charming enough and. All right, so that is you. You can't take it with you. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the other nine movies that yeah. were nominated for Best Picture that year, and a few other things that were happening in the world in 1938. So do stick around, and we will see you in a few minutes. Why don't you write a play about Ismania? Ismania? Yeah, sure. You know. Um... Communism, fascism, voodooism. Everybody's got an ism these days. <laughs> I thought it was an itch or something. Well, it's just as catching. When things go a little bad nowadays, you go out and get yourself an ism and you're in business. I've got it. It might help Cynthia to have an ism in the monastery. Why <laughs> is that? Only give her Americanism. Let him know something about Americans. John Paul Jones, Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, Washington, Jefferson, Monroe, Lincoln, Grant, Lee, Edison, Mark Twain. 
When things got tough for those boys that didn't run around looking for ism. And welcome back to Oscar Watch, ladies and gentlemen. A little housekeeping, first of all. If you would like to email us or get in touch with us, uh, write us at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at oscarwatchpod, Instagram at oscarwatchpod, and we do have a Facebook page. We take suggestions, comments, criticisms, or just Silly things you might find relating to the Academy Awards or really anything that you think we may be if, uh, we may be interested in. So do hit us up. We love email. I am certain we love email. And we would love to hear from you. That's uh, OscarWatchPodcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you guys. So when last we left our heroes, that's me and Alex, we were about to discuss the other nine nominees for Best Picture in the year 1938, uh, for a while after the inception of the Academy Awards, there were like there was a ro- there was a roaming uh, like a rolling number of uh, nominees six, eight, ten. It really all depended on the year. It wasn't until a bit later that they went to five, and recently they just changed that to about ten again. But I th- I feel like five is really the best the best way because even when I'm watching a year in which there are ten nominees, I'm thinking, all right, there are five there are five movies here that don't really count. <laughs> filler. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I kind of I kind of like the floating uh, the idea of a floating number. You know, like just it could be anything depending on the year. There's some times there are six worthy ones, or you know, I, I don't know. I kind of uh, I kind of like the idea of having just a you know just the best ones be show up. You know, yeah, it, instead of trying to fill it fit it to a number. Right, but it, it it also comes down to everything else has five in it. All every, literally yeah. every other um, every other category has category. five. So you can really, you, so you can start to see. Well, these this one only got a couple of nominees, so it's probably not going to mm. do uh, not do a lot. And in fact, speaking of that, mm. um, you can't take it with you. Is currently of the, all the movies we have watched, it has won the least amount. Mm. of oscars uh, i think uh, we've watched a bunch with that one three but mm-hmm. you can't take it with you only one two it won best picture and it won well, best out, outstanding production actually oh, yeah. <laughs> that was before it was actually called best picture yeah outstanding production <laughs> uh, yeah outstanding production and, and and this is and this is after they had best uh outstanding drama and i think outstanding musical comedy they they're, they're uh they're this is only the 11th it was still very fluid yeah they were, they were still, they were, they were still figuring they're still figuring out so it won yeah. outstanding production and i would one would kind of assume outstanding director but best director for frank capra and yeah. this was his third oscar yeah uh he won so it he yeah he was he was totally on it he won it previously for it happened one night uh i think two years previous which I am so looking forward to talking about that movie. I I love mm. that movie, and uh, and he also won Mr. again Deeds. for Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, yeah. not the Adam Sandler movie. No, that was no, that, that was that was the same thing, right? That yeah, was, pretty uh, much. Okay, <laughs> was it? I don't. I don't yeah. You know, it's one of those movies that just burned out of my memory, <laughs> so I, I can't tell. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it like, was actively while I was watching it. Yeah, try to forget it. Yeah. Um, despite uh, despite having a really great cast and with Lionel Barrymore being being wonderful and James Stewart and Gene Arthur uh, kind of killing it, uh, mm. only one acting nomination for Spring Byington, who was the the mother who 
once had a typewriter mistakenly delivered to her, so then she decided she's going to start writing plays. Uh, a, a lovely character didn't make that great of a, you know, a big impression on me as compared to some of the other people, but she was delightful enough. So she gets a supporting actress nomination and was also nominated for uh, cinematography, editing, and sound recording, which was a big deal back then. <laughs> right, this is the start of this. Uh, there's still silent films in production. Yeah, the, yeah including uh, not to not to jump tracks no. here, but. Uh, uh, this uh, infamous Orson Welles film was filmed in uh, 1938 uh, with the hilarious title of Too Much Johnson. <laughs> uh, this is uh, yeah, the uh, silent comedy, uh, but that, that was never released. It was released in uh, 2008, I, I want to believe, wow. that they found a part of it. Yeah, they never, they never released it. <laughs> Too oh. Much Johnson. Uh, silent, uh, silent comedy by uh, Orson Welles. Orson Welles. Wow. He had a lot of uh, films that like weren't, weren't – wasn't the – Magnificent Ambersons wasn't that like not released or something or not completed? There was some film yeah, of his. So it's it's that's that thing. It's like a lot of these films are just just lost. It's kind of crazy to think that they're just there's no prints of these. I mean, this is like, like there was like one of those chance things where they found a print in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah, you know, and just just oh now we have the film back. You know, it's because yeah. it's been missing for seventy years. Yeah, I I I love hearing about that. Recently, they found uh, uh extended cut of Metropolis. Like, right. like 10 years ago that had like all new music and stuff and they restored that. So it's just fascinating because uh, what is it? Like 90% of movies made before the, uh, the sound age are just, they're just gone. They're, yeah. They, you know, they didn't save them. They just, they, right. they melted the, the celluloid and they just turned it into other it's, stuff. It's, yeah, it's, or it like burned down. Cause that stuff just, caught on fire. right right yeah the celluloid wouldn't yeah yeah especially when it was made with all that nitrate but yeah it's uh yeah it's kind of sad to think about how much how much has been lost over the years i know um it's it's kind of insane to think about now i mean but even still now like i mean well digital of course is, everything's easier but even still now it's kind of crazy how much it isn't making it every every you know how much from vhs did it make it to dvd and how much from dvd isn't making it to blu-ray it's it's just always kind of depressing as a as a cinephile to think about how many things are uh, just being left behind with uh, old formats or older uh, versions that are yeah yeah it's sad but um yeah and that's also it also does make it hard to, uh, a lot of these films i don't know if they're uh, readily available. I don't know. I haven't looked uh, to too many of them, but uh, the other uh, outstanding production uh, nominees, I, I, a couple of them I haven't heard of, to be honest. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Uh, and I did. Uh, I've, I failed to mention one other nomination for it because there's a there's a little story to it. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you can't take it with you. It was also nominated for uh, outstanding writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the screenplay was by Robert Riskin, who also collaborated. Uh, it happened one night, and Mr. Deeds goes to town, and Capra and Riskin would have a tumultuous relationship uh, throughout the 30s and 40s. They would attempt a production company, uh, I think during the 40s, but that really didn't uh, work out so well. Uh, so so some people say that it was Riskin who kind of made Capra, the, Capra, the Capricorn, uh, as they call it, that sort of mm-hmm. feel-good American optimism that we associate with him it was actually it was kind of uh, had a lot of influence to do with robert riskin uh, i don't i don't believe riskin wrote um now i'm blanking on it the one back in time uh, it's a wonderful life oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh his his influence was was definitely felt there so that's uh, that's a but uh, so the other movies that were nominated that year we haven't even gotten to that uh, yep. there were uh, there were a couple of 
I would say movies that are more well remembered than this, which yeah. makes the decision of did the Academy make the, make the right decision uh, yeah, a little up in the air. For instance, The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. That's one right. of the all time great swashbuckling uh, adventure movies. Yeah, uh, it's still still kind of wonderful. Uh, there was Alexander's Ragtime Band. hadn't heard of it. Boys Town. Oh, that was the number one film that year, too. Uh, Alexander's Ragtime Band apparently uh, is the number one box office hit that oh, year. I, I, thought, so. I thought I heard, I read, I thought I read this movie was actually the number one box office hit. Oh, maybe we're reading different sources, but uh, oh you know, God. it was it was a weird. Also, you know, it, this was before receipts were <laughs> readily available. It was uh, they, I think the, what they used to do was they report it as a percentage of like they would report, report that you're making two hundred percent on a on a movie, like a theater oh. would report like how much percentage. So it apparently was very tricky to uh, determine exactly how much money was being made by anyone. Right, and also theaters were owned by the studios that <laughs> made the movies, so right. I can imagine oh, there was a lot of happening again now, kind of. I mean, all this, they're all owned by different companies. Yeah. Chinese um, companies, but, mostly. Yeah. Uh, Alexander's Ragtime Band, Boys Town, The Citadel, Four Daughters, uh, Grand Illusion, the uh, Jean, uh, Jean Renoir film. Uh, that was, this was the first foreign film nominated for Best Picture because at this time they did not have a separate category. And they would not have a separate category until 1947. And even then, it wasn't a competitive category until about 10 years later. So this is a big deal. And Grand Illusion is one of the all-time great war films. I have not seen it personally, but it is. it was talked a lot about in film school and and other such things it's a it's a great world it's, it was a great it was a great world war 1 film cuz that was the only war they had at the time well yeah 38 just you know wait a little while <laughs> yeah. but yeah uh also there uh Jezebel starring Betty Davis uh this is this is this is during the uh, the Hayes code so this was this I think this was scandalous for the time. Right. She she won for best actress as well though for that. Yes, and I did. think best supporting actress yes was actually uh Faye Bainter. Uh, that uh, yeah that did pretty well. Okay, yeah. Uh, I might have done the best actually of a whole year that I think that was uh, that and Adventures of Robin Hood actually actually Adventures of Robin Hood got all the rest of the awards. <laughs> got editing, got best art direction, original score. Wow. It cleaned up, yeah. It cleaned it cleaned up. Um yeah. But didn't take home the top prize, man. It it, it was not. like uh, it was like a Quidditch match. It got all the points, but somebody else <laughs> grabbed the snitch, and that was Frank Cat. <laughs> and the snitch was the rich people. <laughs> yes, uh, grab that snitch. Also nominated was uh, Pygmalion, which was based on the George Bernard Shaw play of the same name. Would later go on to be turned into a Broadway musical in the fifties called. My Fair Lady, and it will then go on to win Best Picture in 1964 for My Fair Lady. So it, it's a yeah. long, so it's a movie that was nominated twice, but one, right. one, one, and finally Test Pilot was uh, the last was rounding out number ten. But can we, talk, can we talk about like what an impressive like uh, number of actors were in all these films? Like, like every kind of like big name actor is in like every single one of these movies. It's yeah. kind of ridiculous. James That's a, Cagney, uh, Clark Gable, uh, everyone was in this. Oh yeah, it was also uh, the year of Angels of Dirty Faces. Right, right, right. Uh, the the classic. Uh, that's a uh, top of the world, ma. That's uh, the mm. Cagney. <laughs> the, the, they always, yeah. uh, everyone always emulates. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was uh, 
it was the studio system, it's, so it's, they were just you know they were just churning these things out, and all the actors yeah. were under contract to appear in X number of films, and they it was a uh, it was, right. it, was, it, was a, it was a happening time in Hollywood. It was also a happening time elsewhere in the world for for reasons that I can only assume that people would flock to the theater to see such a good time was because things were starting to look pretty grim and that was because in 1938 Hitler marched in uh, marched on marched into Austria and the powers in Europe they just sort of let him let him go and they're fine with it and I think they would later go to regret it but in doing so Alex who was times man of the year in 1938 oh was it Hitler? It was Hitler. <laughs> I remember it that was, was one totally of those. Totally Hitler. Wonderful. Now it was meant. To, it was meant to be the most influential person yeah, of the year. That, and yeah, I get that. But oh, you know, it, like it, hindsight being what it is, you're like, oh, yeah. that's that's rough. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So that's a little bit of. Um, oh, also, uh, people probably wanted a good time in the theaters because. Also in 1938, there was the famous uh, War, of the War, War of the Worlds broadcast by Orson Welles, in which he oh, yeah. read, which they had the tele- the the the, uh, the radio pl- dramatization of the H.G. Wells book, and everybody right, was, was thought we were under attack by aliens. Which it's a really, I mean, if you listen to it now, it it, it actually still holds up pretty well, but it's also very hard to believe. I mean, I don't know, maybe in hindsight, and maybe without a uh, you know uh, simpler times and all that. Right. Um, it, it it really holds up really remarkably well. It's it's a really great production, but um, you know, trend as a believable thing. I don't know about that. But uh, it, it's it, the crazy story about that is that that's happened also multiple times since then. I don't know if you know that. There, uh, what country? I want to say it's a South uh, somewhere in South America. Maybe it also happened, uh, and they stormed the radio station after finding out they had been duped, and I think believe killed the people who produced it or the actors. Oh it was, my uh, god! Yeah, it's, been, it's been like a thing that's uh, happened throughout the years where people keep getting duped by. War of the Worlds broadcast. It, I don't know what that's about. Just War of the Worlds, like they just that, yeah. That was a, that was a <laughs> yeah. They've done it a couple of times, but I know I know at least there was one more time when uh when a uh, similar similar thing happened in another country. Huh. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I would like to say I wouldn't be duped, but I've been I've been burned by many an April Fool's video before mm-hmm. on the internet. So it's, uh, <laughs> there you go. You know, it's I think I think humans are they just tend to they tend to believe what is they're they're hearing and if what they're hearing is an alien invasion they might uh they might not they certainly couldn't stop and check their facts mm. on google back in 1938 oh. so it was yeah uh, yeah it was, it speaking, was of, speaking of that <laughs> i uh yeah it was a, there was a spanish language version in february 1949 in ecuador and that's wow. what it was uh and after it was revealed that the broadcast was fiction it apparently there was a Police and fire brigades rushed out of town to engage the supposed alien invasion force. Then they found out that it was a hoax, and then they rioted, and hundreds of people attacked the, the radio station and the local newspaper who <laughs> participated in the hoax by per, uh, publishing false reports of unidentified objects. And then the riot resulted in at least seven deaths, including the person who produced it and his girlfriend and nephew. Oh, no, no, it was his girlfriend and nephew, and he, he survived oh, and probably God. felt really good about it. I mean, oh, my I, God. I, <laughs> I, I kind of would feel proud about that. Maybe not so much from a that's my family, but I mean to to, to produce something that would spark that kind of reaction, you have to be a little proud of that. Uh, just a little bit. I, 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 like, 
I th- I, th- I think if I managed to get one of my nephews killed in the process, uh, yeah, that, that would make thanks that would make Thanksgiving really awkward for the rest of my life. So, um, it's a little bit just just a touch. Yeah, <laughs> but that's 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 funny, but also really sad and horrifying. Horrible, yeah, horrible. Horrible. So horrifying. Mob, mob justice. Yeah, but um, <laughs> but back at thirty eight, we didn't have to worry about anything as horrible as that, of course. Right now, what what could possibly be so bad? I mean, it's thirty eight. Things are yeah. things are kind of fine. You know, what, unpl- un- unemployment's up, but you know, the, <laughs> in the next the, the next seven years, we'll be totally fine. It'll be, yes. it'll be great. Nothing bad will happen. Guaranteed. So, so, do you think that that's why you can't take it with you? This kind of uh, was, was was you know respond. Uh, you know, it's, it kind of almost works too as as a. Uh, it's it's a very much an Oscar film. I feel like it, as far as like you know, like the kind of movie that they still look for today, kind of like a reassuring and a thoughtful in a way. Although you know, perhaps not as deep. It's actually now I think about it, it's probably more of a comedy than uh, anything else we've yeah. seen or anything else that has been nominated in a long well, time. Well, well, any hall's a com- any hall's definitely definitely That's a comedy. That's true. What about. Yeah, but uh, you get I can I can see them people needing something that makes them Later. especially. The working class, the kind, the people who would be going to war in a couple of years, wanting some piece of like uh, happiness and optimism, and you know where the 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 big bad uh, bomb makers because they're 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 talking about making bombs for the right. war that right. they know is coming. Like, <clears throat> people know something is happening yeah. in Europe, and it's only a matter of time. But they want to see the they want to see the triumphs of the American the American people, the the can do bootstrapping cheerfulness of uh of, of the whole thing so yeah and it uh, the movie does end we didn't really talk about the how it finishes it ends up with the uh the uh the rich folks the uh what's it the vanderhoffs uh they um the kirby you know, uh, the, uh the kirby's uh, are the rich folks yeah oh kirby's the rich folks. yeah like the kirby's come uh, uh the uh the father comes and the plays a har- ends up playing harmonica and uh and dancing and, and having a good time together and kind of like letting loose you know a little bit right you know Taking off the tie, and, if you, and if everything's you fine, and everything's fine. Everything's he's gonna. Fine. He's, I don't know if he's gonna stop trying to take their house over, and <laughs> he's gonna stop build, building weapons. I don't know about that, but uh, for a moment, at least at the end, it seems like everything's gonna be okay, and the the couple can be can be wed. Because mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot about that. There's also a lot of that whole thing, like you know, the the the, the couple that's in love. Uh, you know, James Stewart and Gene Arthur, they're, they're very, you know, they keep saying that they don't, you know, whatever, whatever happens, whatever our family thinks of it, whatever, it doesn't matter to us, but it, it very much does. <laughs> the whole film is them trying to, to win over the other side, basically. Right. Uh, even though, and Gene Arthur is very embarrassed by her, her family, which is hilarious. But then she's, um, not, because of course. At the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, so I, I, what do you think? Do you think this is a, a strong pick? I mean, uh, you've seen, I know I've seen, I haven't seen many of these, so it's hard. It's Definitely a, it's a tricky one. It's it is. Uh, let's 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 save the decision for 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 the end, shall we? After after we after we get into it a little bit, because we're gonna we're gonna take a break, and when we get back, that is what we're gonna do. We're gonna start talking about you can't take it with you. So stick around, folks. You know, every time I think how lucky I am, I feel like screaming. Please promise you'll invite them. Oh, I feel the screen coming on right now. You know, we'll have to face it sooner or later. Oh, yeah, it's starting right now on my toes. Sort of a tingling sensation. Now, look, we can invite them both next day. Now, I'm on my knees. 
My legs are driving faster and Tony. faster and faster. You're not really and going to scream. It's in my stomach right now. It's got me, Alice. Stop it, Joe. It's going up and up and up and up. It's all over my body now. No. It's in my throat now. What I can do is fighting to get out. I don't. I can't hold it any longer. Here it goes. And we're back. And we're here to remind you people that you can't take it with you. So we're talking about the 1938 Best Picture winner. Alex, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what do you think of the film? I enjoyed it. Like I said, I don't think it holds up as a comedy, which it's, I mean, it's mostly a comedy, you know, comedy with a moral. That's what it, I mean, all of Frank Capra's films have that moral. They always have that end. Someone's got to make a big speech at the end and kind of like lay it out for, uh, for everyone. I mean, this one, it's the title. The title alone <laughs> yeah. is the moral. So <laughs> it's not like it's hiding it or anything. But it's, uh, it's yeah, it's comedy. It doesn't quite hold up. I feel like it's, it's uh, it would be, it would be a lot more like, I don't know, what would it be? What would be the example of it today? It would be some kind of like a much more obscene film, I feel like. It would be like all kinds of like, uh, I don't know, like like body jokes, like stuff like that. I don't know, things like that. Because it, it, it's kind of, it kind of is that kind of uh, thing that the, the, the I feel like it's. I feel like so many, like so much comedy from the time was was that kind of class warfare thing. The whole Lauren Hardy, Three Stooges, they all had that thing where it's always the, they were like the low class folks, like uh, embarrassing themselves in front of the rich, trying to act rich or something like that. And this is kind of the reverse of that. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really hold up as that. It's a fun film. Uh, it's got moments definitely. I I enjoyed it. It's great, like great acting. Like I said, Lionel Barrymore is amazing. Um, Jimmy Stewart doesn't get to do a lot, but he's still he's still he's always fun. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's something I would tell people you know run out run out to see. I, I remember I, I haven't seen Adventures of Robin Hood in a while, but I, I would maybe say that that was uh, still I think holds up better maybe as an adventure film because it's you know the adventure pretty much stays the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I I, uh, I never would have seen it probably if I hadn't done this, so that's always cool. I I've seen a lot of other Capra. I've seen most of his other ones, I think. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I don't I, even among other Capras, I don't think it's, it stands up to like Mr. Smith or Wonderful Life. Definitely, or It Happened One Night, or a lot of his. This definitely feels yeah. like to me lesser Capra, and mm-hmm. I am curious as to the political forces in the academy and during the year that made that made people think this is the movie that i think represents the best of of this year when it's when looking through the list of other films that were nominated it seems that there were other perhaps more worthier choices certainly history has shown that robin hood grand illusion jezebel i think have all received criterion or Right. enshrinement in uh, various you know uh, film libraries and you can't take it with you really hasn't gotten any of that so it's one of those trivial pursuit uh <laughs> type films where they ask which of these movies won at the 1938 best picture and you would you probably wouldn't pick this one no because you might yeah uh, like i i'm like i have a list of all the best picture winners and i go okay I, you know i have a, an awareness of this movie of this movie this is one of those ones that i just completely blank i've had no expectations going in and it, it it was a it was a fine movie you are absolutely right the comedy doesn't work there are there are 
actually painful moments in this during the during the middle. The first of all, the the movie takes a very long time to get going. I found just to like get to the, yeah get to the to get to plot. the comedy yeah, which which felt very odd because movies back then they were usually so uh they were so tight they just like they they really just kind of dropped you right in the middle of things and expected you to keep up because time was money and you know the they this they were shooting actual film and it was a it was really hard to make movies back then there was a lot of a lot of moving parts going on but this one it just it 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 just slowly goes along like there's the the the, the main the main impetus of the plot is that the you know we have the rich boy and the the low class the lower class girl they love each other and they want to get married but there's this big whole business plot behind it and you yeah. don't even, you don't even get a sense of that until like a third of the way through the movie and you go it's well is this what what is this movie trying to be about and the and sorry that was a long tangent what I originally uh-huh. was trying to, what I was sorry. Sorry? Okay. No, it makes sense completely. It, it, it definitely does take a whole long time. It does focus all on the business. It starts off with the businessmen talking about what they're going to be doing, and it goes into that. That you would think that the romantic plot would be. It, you would think that, the, that those characters would be the main characters because it's all about them, really. Right. Especially when Gene Arthur kind of gets near top as top billing as a Hollywood actress could get back then. Yeah, yeah she was above. She was above G, uh, Jimmy Stewart. Like that's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she's she's remarkable, and I love I love her in it. She's she's uh, her character is 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 a uh, I feel like strong in a way that most women characters were not. Uh, you would think that she kind of she'd be kind of a you know like a going along with daddy kind of character. Or, you know what what's mm-hmm. the stereotype? You know, it's something like that. Which she's not. She's very strong willed, and she 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 hates that they're 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 looking at her family like this. But at the same time, she's embarrassed too. There's like a lot of layers to it that you'd uh, yeah maybe yeah, not expect yeah, because she's obviously working for she's. Jimmy yeah, Stewart's she, secretary in right, this. Yeah. Like that's when we, that's how they meet. And I think that's how mm-hmm. everybody met back then, I assume at least. <laughs> and but secretaries and bosses. Yeah. So, that's how everyone got together. So there so it makes you wonder, was there a what happened before the what happened before that prompted her to go earn money? Is she mm. the only? Is she literally the only breadwinner? Because everybody she else is just, is just dicking around, yeah. <laughs> making dolls and making blowing dolls things up. And, and blowing things up and playing the xylophone <laughs> and just dancing ridiculous. Like, is 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 she is she providing for this family? I don't know. I I don't know this. That brings a whole new dimension to the film. She might be the breadwinner. She might be the only one that's keeping everything together. Yeah, or I'm, <laughs> I perhaps uh, Grandpa Vanderhoff. Uh, Lionel Barrymore. Right. He may like. He may have a lot of money squirreled away, but st- you know that. I mean, well, I, I think they, they mentioned that he used to, and he kind of he, it's he's kind of just thrown it away with his silly pursuits, like right. maybe telling people to come and you know build dolls in the house. Yeah, but masks. But and to Lion to Lionel Barrymore's character in the grave, like you do know that you do actually have to pay taxes. I get that. Oh, yeah, I get we talk about I, we talk about that. That the, he he tells them that he's never paid taxes to the IRS guy, and I you know I could tell that it's definitely it's one of those moments where you could tell that that was gonna that was like a huge laugh for the crowd, and you know 1938 probably. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a absolutely. little sillier, absolutely enough. But, there's a, definitely like a beat where they're like, "What do, what do you mean you never paid taxes?" Like I, I don't believe in it, kind of thing. Right, and and it's like, I, what are you, Rand Paul? You know, <laughs> yeah, or or in this case, are you literally Ayn Rand? It was it was operating <laughs> at, this, at this time, right, but. You know, she was obviously milking off the you know, milking off the government. But you got to pay taxes, man. Come on. Like <laughs> I know, I, I I I get that there was perhaps this was just some sort of like 
stooge sent in to try and get Lionel Barrymore's character to sell. But you don't don't be proud of not paying taxes. Like it pays <laughs> like it's annoying. Yes. You gotta do it. It's literally the tax for doing business here in America. And that business for you is just dicking around. Okay? So stop. <laughs> But uh, going back, my uh, sorry, I was, was going to make a point about the comedy. There, there are scenes like in the middle of this where it's just people standing around and they're waiting for something. For they're waiting for their cue. Yeah, they're waiting for like their mark. Joke. It's it's painful how like I almost expect there to be a laugh track in there because they're like eh, it's yeah. Funny there's happening. a lot of pauses. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Even like for the IRS part, there's like a pause where it's. You're just like, like you're like okay, and wait for la- yeah, wait for laughter. Right. <laughs> they definitely, it's, it's definitely uh, strangely. Right. It's and it feels so odd because this is this is classified as a screwball comedy and screwball comedy. They're they're rapid fire. They're quick. They you know right. they're they're going back and forth. Um, you know, think of um, Clark Gable and well, what's her face and it happened one night. But they're just like they're they're firing off each other like so fast. And here mm-hmm. it feels. A lot like the play it was based on. They're just it's mm. the majority of the action takes place in one room, and it's uh, it's an impressive room. It's a big room. It's it's a huge room for New York City. Oh my God, I would love to live there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where in New York this. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, 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 there was something on the map. I I, I had it, but I, I forgot it. And it it feels like I don't know why it got an editing or a cinematography nomination because it wasn't sh- it was shot fine but again there yeah in the owing accounting for the times you know dollies mm-hmm. were you know dolly shots crane shots were expensive and difficult to do so there's a lot of people standing around and saying things but it's not edited i found particularly well mm-hmm. for uh, like for for any time and it goes it's a really long movie it's yeah, a, like a little yeah, bit over two, two a little two bit over change. two hours. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. for a movie back then, that's that's a a lot of film to print up, and uh, it's right. a lot of reels. Uh, it was, uh, so it's it's it it feels like you could lose a bunch of this, and you'd still kind of have the same movie. And I you know I I that's uh, that's a criticism I make on a lot of films, and I get that, but this one feels no. This one you definitely could. Especially if you're going just for a straight comedy, they could have cut a lot. Like you're saying, like the whole intro, it's, 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 there's, I mean, okay, you need to establish these big bad businessmen that are trying to, you know, make weapons factories and push out the little people. But that could have been like one sentence, you know, that could have been, they didn't, they didn't really, we don't get that deep into the, the rich folk that we need to know their, like, you know, right. their whole plot. It's yeah. not like we get into their motivations or who they were or where they came from anyway. So, we don't need it, you know, but they do spend a lot of time on their their nefarious plans, kind of thing. Right, but you know, and and true to true to the cap reform, you know, uh, the elder Anthony Kirby, he's a, he's he's actually kind of the main character. Like you want it to be Jimmy Stewart and Gene Arthur because they're they're fabulous and they're beautiful, they're young and beautiful. But like Elder Kirby, he's he's the guy who goes through the change. He like it's it's it. Right, it's like, his arc for the film. Yeah, it's, it's his arc. He goes from you know wanting to crush his, and he does in fact crush his uh, crush his competitor. Like mm-hmm. there's this there's this unfortunately awkward scene where the uh, the guy that the, he's bought out essentially he's like he's block he's blocked him from 
he's ba- he's basically pulled like a risk move. He's just like blocking off Africa or something like that, <laughs> so nobody can get there. <laughs> and 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 this competitor walks in, and you it's shot interesting, but it's so ridiculous because this guy is he's like telling you Kirby, you're a, you're scum. You are you happy now? You you've killed me, Kirby. You've killed me, like metaphorically. But then he like. <laughs> has this weird like heart murmur and he like collapses in this most dramatically flared way possible and it it feels it feels kind of ridiculous and maybe it works for the time but it really doesn't work now and then you find and then the guy he he literally dies like he, like it's <laughs> the a, actor it's an, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, an, it's, an, it's an off-screen death that you just hear about that yeah. Like we, but we just like this is the first time we actually met the guy. They had no previous interaction. It, it, it just feels right. it feels a little weird. It feels a little it, like, I, like I don't know. I, I don't know where the movie's focus wants to be because Grandpa has no arc whatsoever. Grandpa like Grandpa yeah. is he's the he's the char- he's the do good all American great character that is the audience cipher that we all want to be, and he doesn't have to change a bit. He is yeah. forcing he the change be- on other people. But we spent a lot of time with him. Like, yeah, so much it's mostly him. It's it's he's definitely the main character. I mean, it's it's all, but it's yeah, it's funny because he doesn't change. He's just just kind of bumbling. I mean, for someone who as he's so carefree to the point of almost annoyance. It's like you, like yeah. you're saying, you like you should know to pay taxes. You should know that you know <laughs> blowing fucking things up, blowing things up in your basement daily is not a good idea without a license. You should know that you know all these things. It's almost like infuriating how how naive he he seems or chooses to be. So yeah. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. then, that, yeah, that's the main character. Yeah. But uh, so, the, so the acting, what do you think of the acting in this? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely got that theatrical bent uh, to it. I can see what you mean as far as, uh, you know, how everything, like, goes, I think with the pauses and everything like that. Um, I mean, but most of those films of the time, they were still figuring out sound and how that worked, you know, how to, how to emote uh, properly. Yeah. Oh, this is a little later. This is 38. Yeah, so yeah, so they should have gotten a handle on it. We're about nine years <laughs> in. And yeah. we, we at least uh, – we've gotten past the point where there's a very obvious microphone like yeah, yeah, yeah. in a pot of flowers that people right, are speaking right. into. But over, it's, yeah. it's, still, it's, still, it's still a little rough, a little rough. Mm. Uh, I, think, I think Barrymore, he, he, he steals the show. He's the best actor. And he, uh, he plays um, – he plays the 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 uh, was it top it the 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 bad like the the mean old cantankerous jerk in it's a wonderful life, mm. like, so so he has, so the dude has range. Yeah, he's, the range, he's, yeah. yeah, he's, he's um, yeah. James uh, James Stewart, uh, I really liked him in this because he uh, he has he's weird that he's really good at being this guy that you you kind of just want to punch in the face because he's so <laughs> he's so charming and he's like. I think he's the 30s equivalent of like the very privileged white guy. He's like, fucking, I'm a tall white yeah. dude. I, I, I'll just be what I'm gonna yell in the yeah. middle of this crowded restaurant because what are you gonna do to me? It's and he's yeah. he's got <laughs> excellent timing and everything, but it, it's, it's, and it, that is a good scene. Yeah, that, I that that's a scene where the comedy really works because they just let it. They let Stewart and all the actors react to everything. Yeah, no, it's it's brilliant. Uh, I didn't, listeners what what happens is uh jimmy stewart tony kirby and uh and gene arthur they're uh they are going to a fancy restaurant uh they walked through central park they encountered some street toughs which by the way we'll we'll get into because new york has changed <laughs> a yeah. lot but they're uh, but they're there and he just 
you know, he has swells of emotion for uh, for Gene Arthur, and so he like is talking about this this uh, this scream that's starting from his toes, and he's it's building up and going for him, and he has the girliest scream ever when when he finally <laughs> lets it go. But it's it's really well done, uh, like and Jimmy Stewart, he's he may, he he can make anything work. He can make something as ridiculous as that work, and I and that's why he's uh, that's why he's one of the best. Uh, he's 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 just great in it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and did you did you think there was a lot of chemistry between Gene Arthur and Stewart? Did you did 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 you feel like they belong together? Uh, that's the thing; they don't really focus enough on the relationship to really tell. I mean, like there's a, that scene, there's a scene where they're making out in the in the bank. There's it's not too much, and then there's you know the scenes with their parents there where they're not doing much of any kind of romance. So there's not too much. I mean, I don't know. As you know, two young, good looking. Kids, sure, why not? <laughs> but as far as as far as like you know, they're meant to be together. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's weird how they and they they cut to it so weirdly. And as I recall, there was a proposal for marriage, but nobody ever said the words "Hey, yeah. do you want to get married?" Which is just very <laughs> odd. And which brings it, which kind of leads me to another point: Who is doing the accounting and the research? at the Kirby company because they should have known that Tony Kirby Jr. was dating this woman who happens to be the the granddaughter of the dude who's giving them so much guff for the trying time. to push out. It it yeah. that that felt like a very it felt like a very weird joke. They don't learn about it until I think they're in the house maybe. No, like may, like maybe in the house or like maybe in jail when everyone gets arrested and uh and Grandpa Vanderhoff just chews the elder Kirby out in what is a great scene. I think it's 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 one of the great Capra speeches, where it's just yeah. you know you don't you know you don't even I'll take all of these these low class schmucks over you any day of the week because you don't have any friends and they at least have it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's great, but it that you know that whole the Kirby's not knowing this felt. Almost insulting because because I knew oh clearly these are the no. same these these are the people that like why don't why how how have they not put things together as well, quickly as they, they should? have Facebook they couldn't have checked the connections and see you know they, it's, a, it's a simpler time but Kirby has no he has, he has no clue what's happening he, it's 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 bad for his business rich, rich people don't need to they just need to you know have people make decisions for them that's like, I guess wouldn't wouldn't it be nice to be to be rich. I'll let you know. Uh, yeah. Take your tour around this place. Ooh, very <laughs> nice. So, all right, Alex, we're coming to the end. Uh, overall, uh, what do you think? Did the Academy make uh, the appropriate decision, given that it was many, many decades ago and we perhaps have not seen all the rest of the nominees? <laughs> well, we haven't seen. I mean, as far as, as uh, culturally speaking, I don't think so. Um, Grand Illusion is held in a much higher regard that's another one i i haven't heard i haven't seen myself to be honest um and uh adventure i mean errol flynn's robin hood is is a certified classic yeah. so i i, I mean it. you know I, I don't think that if you know i don't know if this would this movie even be readily available which you know it's on amazon and everything for download um would it be available if it, if it weren't a best picture nominee i'm not too sure you know yeah i, I don't think so don't, yeah, but the you know the other films I think should be you know like I and I, I'm probably gonna go see Grand Illusion because that's kind of embarrassing for both of us to be honest. It, um, it is. But yeah, 
I don't know. I mean, as far as as far as how, what's held up over time, uh, possibly not. I don't know. Maybe the Academy made a bad bad choice. I can't really say. You know, it's one of those things I can't really say. I've only seen a couple of those films, so it's a right. tricky year to gauge uh, whether they whether they did the uh, the best. But as far as kind of like general consensus stuff, probably not. Mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, I can see why the American people would want something screwbally to win, <laughs> and like you know, the Academy members, I'm sure were. You know, more part of the American people back then than they are today. Uh, but I would have to agree. I don't. This doesn't. It feels like there are so many more Ca- uh, Capra movies that should win, and in fact did win. <laughs> did uh, win yeah. Like uh, that drive home the similar message, similar themes, and that are more, you know, well regarded in in history. So it it it's a very odd choice. I can't really agree with it. But it happened 70 years ago, so it's hard for me to make a full judgment call. Like, I didn't know what was – like, I didn't know the day-to-day life of people back then, really. I can guess. I can surmise. I can look at all the news and figure out that yeah, it was probably kind of crappy, but the second New Deal was coming, so maybe things were looking up. But um, overall, I have to say this – you know, the Academy, maybe not the best uh, – maybe not the best choice for – the best picture of 1938. There are certainly more. There's certainly choices I would have made before ahead of this one. Let's mm. let's let's say that. Uh, and so that is you can't take it with you. The 1938 best picture winner, uh, the screwball comedy starring James James Stewart, Lionel Barrymore, Gene Arthur, directed by Frank Capra. And uh, unfortunately, Alex has forgot his dice today, so I will have to be doing the. Uh, I'm going to get some digital <laughs> dice, so we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about you, this. Look, you, you can't take them with you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you just tuning in for the first time, hello. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And second, we determine what movie we're going to be watching next by a roll of two ten-sided die, or in this case, the computer will do it for us, and whatever uh, Academy Award. Ceremony number comes up. That is the movie we're going to watch. We disregard anything above 88. So let's see what we have. All right. Rolling the dice. Nope. That was too much. <laughs> 22. Mm, 22. Low. All the King's Men. Uh, all right. Okay. 1949's All the King's Men. 1949's All the King's Men. I... Oops. Film noir drama. I have not seen Robert Rosen, based oh. on the Robert Penn Warren novel, the same name. All the King's Men. Yeah. Is it about, I, uh, is it about Humpty Dumpty? It's about... No. That'd <laughs> <laughs> be kind of amazing. Uh, Pulitzer Prize winning novel becomes a vital, very great motion picture, as the, as the, the, the movie's poster says. <laughs> can we... Can, can, why does every movie just say that? This is a vital, very great motion picture. Uh, dude, go go we, see this, dude. We could do a whole episode on <laughs> movie posters from the golden age. They were great. They were just shameless about things. So oh, it was, that's fifty percent of the poster. This is the writing. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Oh. Okay. So there you have it, folks. Uh, join us next time uh, here on Oscar Watch. We're going to be talking about all the King's Men and what was going on in nineteen forty nine of all years. So. Uh, Tune in, subscribe, find us on iTunes, like us wherever it is you can or wherever you find downloads. Thanks for listening. My name is Stephen Buja. I'm Alex Rubiello. And this has been Oscar Watch. We will see you at the movies. Bye. Folks.